If you don't know me, I'm Nathan. I'm a senior. I'm coming to the CSC since I was a freshman, and I'm just so honored to be able to speak tonight. I love speaking. I don't do it often, kind of nervous, but I love ball group and things like this where you have to really study and get in the word, and I think it's just a great way to learn a topic and grow, and so thank you, Jason, for letting me speak. Um, the term I'm going to use a lot tonight is lip service, and I asked a couple of you if you knew what it meant and you didn't know, and so I just brought off the bat and wanted to make sure you're not confused. Lip service means service by words only. And so whenever I say lip service, think service by words only. You can also think the term empty promises. That's another similar <laughs> phrase that I'm going to use. Um, but so to start, I want you to think about a time when maybe you gave your word to do something and you couldn't come through. Think of an example of lip service in your life. Think of a time when you made a promise and you couldn't follow through. What I thought of first when I posed myself this question was college football coaches. <laughs> And Tennessee, Tennessee has had many coaches recently that have given some terrible empty promises and examples of those. This man, I love this man, not really. He's a terrible human being. But Lane Kiffin coached here. Um, I think he was, his press conference was in 2009, but he coached that 2010 season. And one of the biggest empty promises he made in his introductory press conference was that he was looking forward to, quote, beating Florida that year and singing Rocky Top all night long. Later that year, Tennessee lost to Florida 23 to 13. Lane left at the end of the year. He never got to sing Rocky Top after beating Florida. And so Lane is obviously guilty of lip service. Next, we have Butch Jones. He was a quirky, weird dude. And for all these guys, like I, if I'm honest, like I was bought in on these guys. I definitely thought they were going to be our future and lead us to championships. But Butch, in his introductory press conference, said that he was going to bring the best coaching staff to Tennessee. He promised to assemble the best coaching staff. And he proceeded to bring in um, names like Mike Bajakin, I probably said that wrong, John Jancic, and Willie Martinez. And of his original staff, only two people stayed for more than two years. And obviously, we never won any championships. We never, I mean, we won the Tax Slayer Bowl. We won the Outback Bowl. None of these have any significance. And like, he even claimed we won the championship of life, right? Like, that's not a real championship. <laughs> and so, Lane, which is obviously good to get what's next. Mr. Cornbread himself, <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt. He was also very guilty of empty promises. Two years ago, he promised that this was gonna be the decade of the balls. He said, decade of the balls. And he proceeded last year to go three and seven and got fired at the end of the year. And so obviously, Jeremy Pruitt did not live up to what he said. But besides, or I was also gonna say, when Logan is hired as Tennessee's football coach in 2042, <laughs> Is going to make the same empty promises, outlandish statements. But I have confidence that Logan is going to come through with his promises. And happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> but besides college football coaches, I wanted to play a clip from one of my favorite TV shows that also shows this idea of lip service. And we're going to watch that. The Michael Scott Foundation is still in existence. Here 
that you know there's no chance of you keeping. 
or you think it's important to use fancy language that he's gonna be pleased with. Whatever it is, just think about how you give lip service in your own faith. And so, yeah, Mark 7, we're gonna read. Starting in verse one, it says, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Skip down to verse five, it says, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites, as it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. So in this passage, once again, we see the Pharisees coming to debate with Jesus. And when I read this, I saw a lot of similarity to Mark chapter 3, which Jason talked about a couple weeks ago. And in that passage, the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they're confused because Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. And they thought that the Sabbath is only meant for resting. And that's the tradition that they built up in their minds. Um, but they'd taken that tradition too far, and um, Jesus knew that they were honoring that law instead of the principle behind the law. And so that's kind of what he's getting on Mark 7 as well, is that the Pharisees come, they're confused why the disciples are eating with unclean hands. Um, and they just have this tradition that you're always supposed to wash your hands before you eat. You're supposed to give your hands a ceremonial washing. And like in Mark chapter 3, they had built up this tradition to the point where they were honoring the law so much that they had forgotten the principle behind it. <laughs> and so the main point I want you to walk away with tonight is that God doesn't care about your lip service. He cares only about your heart. God doesn't care about how big of a talk you talk. He doesn't care about how much of a rule follower you are. Um, you can tell all the friends in the world you want that you're a Christian. That's, I can tell them, like, I'm on the CSC leadership team. I'm this great Christian. But until... People see my actions. That's when I'm going to truly worship and honor God the right way. <clears throat> now, this might sound like a really fundamental and basic lesson of Christianity, but like how often do we actually practice this? Like too often I'm guilty, and I know a lot of you probably are as well, of coming in to Summit on Wednesday nights and hearing a great lesson from Jason, hearing him bring it from the word, but then doing nothing about it. Like I think, I think at times we are just proud to be some of the only Christians on campus. And we say that with our words and we act like that, but then we do nothing about it. Like we have such a great potential to be living up to our words and reaching out to people on this campus and all too often we don't. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm talking about tonight. Um, but there's a quote that I really liked that I want to read next. So it says, what the Lord wants are servants whose words evidence the true state of their hearts. He desires authentic heart devotion and reverence, not mere outward conformity to his regulations. <clears throat> so what if we were forced to talk about or talk from the true state of our hearts instead of simply recite what we know we're supposed to say? Like, I know at this age, we're still developing our faith, we're still developing our beliefs, but deep down, we know what's right and what honors God and what doesn't. And 
I think all too often we don't realize that our hearts and our words are different. And so with our words, we might be saying, Jesus is the Lord of my life. But what our hearts might actually say, I'm the main character in the story, that if Christianity isn't convenient at the time, then it's not important to me. And just giving off main character vibes as the TikTok trend or whatever. But we have to make sure our words and our heart are in alignment. And so in order to learn how to do that, I wanted to look at some of the examples in the Bible. And one of the best examples we can see is from David in the Old Testament. And before we look at that, I want you to think about a compliment someone has given you in your life that you look back on and you just always smile about when you think of it. Has anyone ever told you something good about yourself? You just loved it. My freshman year, example for me, um, someone at the CSC who doesn't really come around anymore told me I have nice calves. <laughs> and I know that's like a quirky and weird thing to say, but looking back, like I just still smile every time. <laughs> and it just like made my day really cool. So I'm sure you guys also have a compliment like that in your life where you just think it's really cool. But one of the best compliments anyone's ever received, I think, is when David was called a man after God's own heart. And so in order to learn from David's example and learn why he was given this title of a man after God's own heart, let's look at Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 21. Acts chapter 13, verse 21 says, and the people asked for a king, and they gave them, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David the king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after God's own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So here we see David was or Saul was replaced by David as king. And so we see the, the compliment of a man after God's own heart. But the question I have after reading this is why did Saul need to be replaced as king? What did Saul do wrong as king? And so let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 13 to answer that question. 1 Samuel chapter 13, starting in verse 13, says, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the commandment the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not, will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. So we see Saul had to be replaced because he wasn't keeping the Lord's commands. And this is in contrast to David, who's a man after God's own heart, because David was keeping God's commands. He was obeying uh, what the Lord had said. And, you know, David was a man who loved God with all his heart, soul, and mind. And I don't know if I said earlier, but David was known as a good king. He was known for his writing in Psalms. And he was also known for being a man after God's own heart. But in order to gain insight into uh, David's heart, let's actually look at one of the Psalms that he wrote and see if we can gain insight into his heart. And so in Psalms chapter 1, Starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, 
but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So here, David gives us a great example of what it means to live from the heart. He brings up three main points that I think are essential for us to think about. And so first he says to not walk in the way or not walk with sinners. You know, if you're a person who's in the practice of giving lip service, you might be in the habit of being motivated by people, by evildoers. You might um, try and impress them. You might just always want to stand out among them. And so if we're going to be people who live from the heart, we have to avoid evildoers and avoid being led by evildoers. Secondly, and you can go on to the next slide, please. Secondly, um, it says to meditate on the law of day and night. Uh, we saw this example from David. As it said, he was a steward of the God's word and obeyed God's commands. Um, but if you are in the practice of giving lip service, you might say that you meditate on the law day and night. You might say that you are constantly studying your Bible, but that's all just to look good. That's all just for show. And so if we're going to live from the heart, we have to meditate on the law day and night. And finally, in Psalms, it talked about being planted like a tree by a river. And when I read that, I kind of thought that if, you're, if we're going to be a tree planted by a river, we have to be sound and hold true in our beliefs and, and in what we said. And so if you think about Michael Scott, Michael was not planted like a tree by the river. He promised them this huge promise of paying their tuition, but, and he had years, years and years to save up the money or at least make things right, but he didn't. And when they're going back tough, he moved and was not like a tree planted by the river. Um, and so these are all just important things for us to keep in mind if we are, are to have hearts after God. Um, if you compare this whole idea of having a heart after God to what we saw in Mark chapter 7 with the Pharisees, um, you see a very stark contrast. You see the people, the Pharisees in Mark 7, were motivated to look good in front of the disciples. They were trying to impress Jesus by life. Look at all these laws I'm following. Look at how well I follow your word. <clears throat> but God or Jesus saw right through that. He saw that they were just trying to motivate, or that they were just trying to impress him and his disciples. Um, they were being led by evildoers. They were they didn't have a pure intention in mind. And so I think this is just an important example for us to learn from and apply to our lives. So Another example that we see is actually Mark 7 of someone who lived for God and lived with a heart for God. And so we're going to look at that. In Mark 7, verse 24, it's the story of the Syrophoenician woman. And verse 24 of Mark chapter 7, it says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence a secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Siren, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of the daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. 
Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table will eat the child's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child laying on the bed and the demon gone. So see, here we see an example of someone who brings a request to Jesus and has a, just a pure heart in doing it. This lady was a woman and she was a Gentile. And that description of her did not give her a high regard in that society. She didn't have a seat at the table with Jesus, but nothing was going to stop her from getting help for her child. And so in this passage, we see her come to Jesus. She gives this request. And then Jesus basically challenges her by saying, know your place. And the woman brilliantly responds by saying, like, I know my place. I know I don't have a spot at the table, but just give me anything. Give me a crumb. And I think that this shows that she just had a heart so set on God. She had, she wasn't trying to impress anyone with her words. She wasn't trying to look good. She wasn't trying to appear greater than she is. She wanted to show God her heart, and she did that. And imagine if everyone here at the CC did that. Imagine if we were all on fire for God, if we all lived up to our words and how we talked, and just imagine the impact that that would have on Yuji's campus. Imagine if we all avoided lip service and instead strayed away from evil, meditated on God's word day and night, and was firm like a tree by a river. Imagine the impact that that could have. Um, I know it can be intimidating to think about, but, and I know it's going to sound cheesy, but I think y'all can do it. I think y'all, I think so much of y'all, I think your example to me is that when someone walks through those doors, you are a servant to them, you love them, and you know how to be kind to them. And so I'm confident that we, moving forward, and I don't know, that we can do this. We can be a people who live from our hearts and not from our words. And so don't be like Michael Scott. Don't be like Lane Kiffin, Butch Jones, Jamie Pruitt. Know that God cares more about our heart instead of our lips. And so that's all I have. If you have any need or anything, you can come to me or Jason or any of the serial leaders. And yep. so now we're going to sing some more songs. And we don't. So thank you.